and we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 300? Like, we've done that many of those already? Uh, AKA year six, week 50, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with... MC and... And KS. And since this is still your regularly scheduled call-in show... Uh, those numbers are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so happy new year, gentlemen. Happy new year. Uh, and happy what is, new year to you too. What is going on with you guys this week? Did you enjoy the celebration into 2021? I did. It was great. Um, all the illegal fireworks going off on Oahu. Um, some cartel member probably made a whole bunch of money uh, due to the restrictions of fireworks importation into Oahu. So, so illegal fireworks was always one of my favorite things uh, about New Year on in Hawaii on Oahu, um, because the last few years here in New Hampshire, it's kind of a dud, like no yeah. fun whatsoever. <laughs> even the 4th of July celebration, right? You think, well, if they're not going to set it off on new year, they'll do something for independence day. No, not so much. Then, you know, like a handful of places will like, you know, do the fireworks, but it's not in our area. So it's yeah. Eh, boring, but you could go to New York city maybe, right? Yeah. Maybe. That is, that is a drive and a half. And then bucking New York city traffic, trying to get back home. Like we went down to New York city. I think the first year we were here for like Thanksgiving weekend and black Friday, um, and it was, you know, I forget how long the drive was, but it was like 40% longer on the way back because we, you know, because of traffic. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, you know, it's not far, but it's not fun either. Uh, but I will say this, you said a lot of the cartels are going to be making money. I remember uh, when we were, uh, you know, dabbling with the crypto area, I did meet a guy and I'm not going to say his name, uh, but like his, his name came up on like my caller ID on my phone. So I was like, hey, dude, you know, I called him by his name. He's like, oh, how did you know my name? I'm like, you know, I, it just showed up. And apparently he was like locally famous for spending time in prison uh, for being one of the biggest importers of illegal fireworks <laughs> right. into the state. <laughs> I was like, that's cool. More props to you for that. You know, thank you for your service. And then, you know, proceeded to, to transact as it were. So, yeah, people are still doing it. Apparently, it's uh, my my friend uh, Lane Yoder came up with an interesting observation about it that it is um, um, well let me let me read his uh, his uh, observation about the new circumstances. <clears throat> may I may I read this? You may. He says, <clears throat> uh, based on your great videos and what I've seen and heard, it seems that fireworks in Hawaii have changed since they became mostly illegal it used to be mostly big strings of fireworks with a constant roar rather than individual pops for 15 minutes or so you couldn't see across the street because of the smoke now it seems that to be mostly aerials and it's big stuff not little roman candles and fountains that's consistent with what happened during prohibition and with illegal drugs probably for the same reasons when things are illegal demand is met by smaller more expensive no yeah when you know, things are um when things are legal yeah oh no when things are no illegal, no i think said, illegal yeah, makes okay. sense there right when things are illegal demand is met by smaller more expensive items because transporting it big 
transporting big, cheap stuff is not worth the risk of getting caught. In all these cases, things got worse for the very reasons things were made illegal. Concentrated alcohol in expensive hard liquor leads to more alcoholism than cheap beer. Hard drugs cause more damage than cheap marijuana, and monster aerials and bombs are more dangerous than firecrackers. <coughs> also, illegality decreases supply, which increases the price, which gives more incentive for the seller to push the product and fight the competition for market share. That fight was often violent during Prohibition and now in the drug wars. Fireworks may be next. Unintended, unintended consequences aren't necessarily unpredictable, especially after we've already seen the consequences, but we never learn. <laughs> there, there may be some, well, there's truth to that, I think. Um, I, uh, it's true there was a lot of smoke before when it was legal on New Year's Eve. But now I didn't see this so much as I saw. No, but we had trade winds this this time, though. Yeah, that's true. That can make a big difference. And, well, but even but, still, if you're yeah. setting off like firecrackers five feet from your porch, right, <laughs> you're going to get a lot more smoke than setting off the aerials that, you know, blows up midair. Right. But in, in years past, even if you didn't do fireworks yourself, even if your neighbors didn't do fireworks themselves, uh, the entire street would still be covered with a, a, a dense a veil of fog just that you couldn't see very far through it's yeah it was uh it was pretty impressive uh the amount of uh smoke <laughs> damage they could they could pull off in one day uh, before and, and now the i think the smoke you know it's just it's just higher because they're shooting off aerials and so it blows up up there and it doesn't yeah. really settle as low but but it's still there yeah it's not there's like still it. a lot of smoke yeah. um but there you know this year there's trade winds and it, and it, the smoke was much higher so it was, you know, it, it was much more pleasant this year, and actually, the the show was better, I think. So, uh, it's, it's illegal illegal fireworks make for better shows. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I would I would agree with that as well. Because if you're if you're going to only import the you know the good stuff, right, you're not going to deal with the low level firecrackers, um, but you're going to get the aerials because that's fun. That's you know that's worth you know worth the risk yeah. to to pull off. Um, not not just about the importing, but but selling them too. Like if you're going to sell something, it better be in bulk, like the biggest rockets you can find, because those are the ones that are more worth your time and yeah, uh, energy selling. So now, what about quality control? I mean, because you if you want to buy a big bomb of a of a fireworks display, um, you want it to be quality so that it does what it's supposed to do, not rather than blow up in your face. Um, is there less likely to be um you know good quality fireworks then probably not they're probably all the same because they all come from the same place yeah i kind of tend to agree with mc on this it's not the the quality control might be an issue if you were if they were making it on the underground right like if, if it was like some back alley you know black mm. powder manufacturer mm -hmm. but it's yeah, the kind, you know the kind that dave might make yeah, because Dave, <laughs> he was talking about how he used to get the powder from a whole bunch of uh, firecrackers and put it together to big bombs. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't get killed by doing that. Yeah. But some people sometimes do. There was they, one person who was uh, killed um, during the fireworks uh, things around 8 p.m. yesterday. Uh, no, day, uh, was it yesterday? No, day before yesterday. Yeah, day before yesterday. Uh, and a number of people wind up in the emergency room of the hospital. But in a sense, that means that you don't really have to ask the police to go out and try and enforce these things um, because 
um, the risk is to what firecrackers might do to their handlers. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did he die yeah. from though? Because some of that, you know, some of it's tragic and some of it is, you know, dumb people doing dumb things while they're drunk. And I'm less sympathetic towards that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know the circumstances okay. of that case. Well, I'm ch- chalk it up to a COVID death then. <laughs> the flu- yeah, probably so. Yeah. <laughs> What's but that smoke in- inhalation? COVID death. Since it was at eight thirty, that means it's twenty twenty. Then it wasn't. Uh, oh. uh, it wasn't a twenty twenty one death. It wasn't the first COVID death of twenty twenty one. No. <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, I've we did similar things when we were a kid, right? Like we had the the uh, the as uh, the morning glory sparklers, and you could like rip the tip off and then pour out all the powder and then light that on fire. There was one time we were like, we were trying to make a big pop pop. Like, remember the little pop pops? You peek back and it explodes, like the, the, the kids play with. Uh-huh. Right. We were doing, and we were unwrapping all of those and like putting it into a Ziploc bag very, very carefully because we were going to like blow up, you know, the big Ziploc bag at some point. And my little cousin was helping us out. And then at some point, he got a little um, careless. I guess, but he's a kid, so I'm not mad at him. Um, and rather than like pouring in the pop pop pops gently into the Ziploc bag, he kind of like dropped one in and the whole bag blew up, like just bang right on the table uh, and le- left like a burn mark on the table uh, and exploded like everything that was in there. It was like, oh, you know, like we, putting we had... it in, in rapidly, randomly, it, it caused a spark or something. Well, not well. It wasn't rapidly. Like you know, there's only I don't know even what to call the stuff that's in the pop pops, right? But there's only like oh, a, the pop was oh, okay. Yeah, just, there's only so like a hand, a little pinch of rocks in there. Does it? Yeah. Right. So banging one off the other set off the chain reaction uh, that exploded yeah, yeah. the entire bag because he sparked yeah. one of them, and then they all went. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean that that could have been dangerous, right? Like you know, I've had a. I've had one of the, the fast fuse firecrackers blow up in my fingers. Cause like I lit it like, you know, ready to throw. And then as I was like in the motion for throwing it, it caught my eye that it, the, the fuse wasn't sparked properly. So I hesitated, like I didn't release and then the fuse sparked. Uh, but by then it was too late cause it was a fast fuse. Right. So I like, Oh shit. And then boom, right in my hand as I was trying to release it. So that was, you know, numb fingers and burnt fingers for less than a week just felt weird so yeah you know they're dangerous but they're fun i i found the article okay it says a cup oh a cop man so it was over on Kauai. um identified as dexter ebon 34 sustained fatal injuries while trying to light fireworks uh ebon was holding the pyrotechnic when it malfunctioned and exploded at around 8.30 p.m. Uh, first responders found him unresponsive with a bystander administering the CPR. Firefighters continued life-saving efforts as they transported him to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. Yeah. See, tragic, but I'm less sympathetic. You know, like uh, my stepbrother, again, when we were <laughs> much younger. I don't know if we still do this. Um, but he had like a Roman candle. And he thought it'd be fun to like hold the Roman candle out and shoot fireworks down the street, you know, with this projectile <laughs> Roman candle. 
Yeah. Well, it malfunctioned and blew the back out and burned like his entire arm, you know, through the jacket yeah. he was wearing. Uh. Um, again, unfortunate, but like, dude, that's what you, if you're going to hold the Roman candle, right. Yeah. You put it on the ground, you light it from a safe distance and you get the hell out of there. You know, that's, <laughs> that's as safe as you could be. If someone like did that, they had it on the ground, they went to light it, they hit it and then they bolted and then got, you know, randomly hit by shrapnel on the way out. I'd be like, well, that's tragic. You know, I feel bad yeah. for that. Yeah. But if you, you know, if you're holding the, if you're holding, what did they call it? The holding the pyrotechnic, uh, you know, for, for better effects. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, you know, them's the breaks, man tragic but i'm not too sympathetic on that you know the risks you're an adult well then the next question is um uh wouldn't it also be a a greater caution i mean there's there's a sense what you could say is a bit of moral hazard involved here uh the family uh probably was less concerned of what might happen to him uh, than they would be if they knew that any injury they would have to pay in the full cost for all of the emergency treatment, which for, I, I remember when we called an ambulance over, my wife had dislocated a shoulder and um, I didn't know what to do, but the called the, uh, the, the ambulance over. They, they could have just reset it, but they, they were worried about liability. So they took it to the, took her to the hospital and, um, Afterwards, there was a, a bill that came in for fourteen thousand dollars for the uh, for the ambulance, which the insurance company paid for. So I didn't have that expense. But I'm curious um, if the emergency responders were all paid for out of pocket. I would guess that people would be much, much more careful about such things. As uh, I mean, if you can identify it as an action that you're involved with that that caused the the problem. I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I don't think that fireworks and New Year's celebrations, that there's a lot of concern about injury, right? Partially because it's a celebration, partially because there's usually alcohol involved. Like, I don't think people are, you know, when they're holding the Roman candle going like, well, I probably shouldn't do this if, if you know, because if I get hurt, I'm going to have to pay for the ambulance ride. Like, I don't think that thought crosses anyone's mind. It's look how cool this is, and then consequences be damned or dealt with at a later time. Yeah, but if, if there's a greater cost, then it might it might cross their mind. Like for example, you know, people are more cautious when they drink and drive because they know that there's a, a consequence; they could lose their driver's license, right? Um, so there's uh, people do take into consideration, or, or maybe the family members. They say, "Well, you know, I don't want you driving." Um, Maybe family members, if they feel there's going to be a cost to them, uh, may be putting pressure on someone's behavior differently. I I, I, th- I hear what you're saying, though. They, you know, people uh, take alcohol and then they become less uh, alert to dangers and risks. Yeah. But, um, and when they, it's but not an everyday situation. People have responded like- in terms of driving. You know, they, they, they are... Um, maybe not in this country, maybe because the penalty isn't so great but in other countries. I know that in Japan, for example, if you have one sip of alcohol, uh, everybody, uh, says, well, I'm, I'm not driving. I'll take a taxi or you, you, somebody else will drive me home, but they're very serious about it because the penalty is very, very treated very, very seriously. Yeah. I'm, I, again, I hear you. And I just, I think driving is such a common event, whereas a, new year's celebration is once a year 
that mm-hmm. that the the that that it's only once a year combined with the alcohol consumption likely <laughs> drops any concerns and inhibitions towards like danger right well like, for for hawaii there's at least three times a year there's uh chinese new year's and fourth of, fourth of july as well as uh, this okay. one but yeah three years three yeah times. but but even for the fourth of july in hawaii is not as good as new year's yeah and neither sure. is chinese yeah. neither is chinese new year's unless you're like specifically in and around chinatown mm. like you, mm. show show me the video of chinese new year's where where it's off and popping like it was uh couple of days ago and then maybe maybe i'll reconsider but there's no there's no way new year's eve isn't the biggest celebration uh as far as that's concerned on the island but yeah. I'll, I'll give you another example of like you know the when the, it was when it was legal uh chinese new year's was celebrated with these long long strings of of uh firecrackers uh yeah in front of half the houses i think okay but it's but new year's eve is still illegal and people set off things anyway yeah yeah right yeah. so that it's that it's illegal should not deter people from chinese new years unless it's something else that they're concerned with i, I right. think it's they don't have access to the small firecrackers okay well then you just they're... do the big ones for chinese new years like what's yeah. the difference <laughs> just set it off well i i think most people uh okay average oh, what do you say anyway drawing a blank here anyway normal people don't want to set off huge aerials they're not interested in that because it is more dangerous and um not Plus, it's of, easy not, to see your neighbors down the road down the street when they well, do it's it. not it's not the type of fun they want to have you know there's people that have experience with the long string of firecrackers and that's what they want but they don't have access to them because they're cheap and they're, the, the they don't have anybody to buy them from because they they too risky to sell to uh, thousands of people rather than just sell a few big ones to a few people okay so that alone drops the risk you know, and this and yeah. the celebration. But yep. when I when I was a kid, the, the we were still able to do the long strings of firecrackers. And at the end of the long string on a lot of those was like the big explosion at the end, right? Like you know, the bomb at the oh. end of the, the string of firecrackers. Do you you know what I'm talking about? I, this I never yeah, had yeah. one of those. I was always just the long string, and that was it. Oh no, you missed out then. So we were kids, and so we didn't do this. So we you know we lit the we lit the firecracker go and. The, it broke off like the fuse broke before it got to that like giant bomb at the end right and so we, hmm. we didn't get the big finale so nothing happened yeah. nothing happened okay. um but my uncle you know who was in town and was kind of like the daredevil at the time um i was probably probably like six or seven so like, there's no way they were letting any of us do that because we were still like uh, in that age group uh, my cousins may have been like preteens or early teens type of a thing but my uncle like runs up and goes like, I'll do it. You know, give me the lighter. And you know, you said that the, the family might be more concerned, right? But no one stopped him. No one went like, Oh, this is a bad idea. Just, just imagine what's going to happen. Just imagine how big your hospital bill is going to be. If you get busted, it was just, God, he's going to do the dumb thing. And you know, Hey, but it's the uncle that does the dumb things. So he went up there, you know, tried to light it. It sparked and then went out again as like, Oh, son of a bitch. So now the fuse is like shorter than it was, you know, a minute ago and still not, it exploded. Um, uh, and so finally he got it lit and then, you know, bolted as quick as he could. He's kind of portly even at that time. Uh, <laughs> but he bolted, you know, under a rain of this fireworks, like, you know, coming down because it, it had exploded during his getaway. 
Uh, so there, you know, I guess my point is there's, there's that danger factor. Yes. But I think the, I think the benefit of enjoying the celebration and getting to see the, see the sparks and hear the bangs, uh, outweighs most people's concerns about, man, if I have to, if, if, if I didn't have insurance, right. And I had to pay the full cost of the ambulance ride, maybe I wouldn't do that. Or maybe I wouldn't hold this uh, Roman candle out in front of me, or maybe I wouldn't shove this uh, rocket up my ass and see what happens if I, you know, shoot the rocket from my butthole kind of like, I don't, I don't don't think that's the reason people like choose, you know, to do those things. I I don't think it has anything to do with like, well, I'm going to do it because, Hey, I'm insured. You know, if I have to pay the full cost of this, uh, you know, I might not like, you know, the risk of burning your buttocks, uh, should be enough to deter you. And if it's not, I don't think people are considering the, the, the insurance cost or the cost of the ambulance ride, uh, when making those choices. There, I've said it, but I do miss it. I do miss the celebration, um, over here uh, on, in my neck of the woods, as I said, it's been, it's been relatively boring the first few years we were here. Um, and then this whole like COVID-19 thing happened and a whole bunch of lockdowns happened and suddenly gathering with friends became illegal, you know, like, (laughs) so we can't have that. So, uh, again, not going to name names, uh, although I think some of it's published already. So you find it if you want to. Um, but we had like an old school, I'm going to say underground rave type of situation. It was like an invite only party, uh, at an undisclosed location until like a few days before the event. Right. So like no one knew where, where this thing was going to be until the very end, um, closed off to the police, you know, get your pass at the door kind of a thing. Um, I think the, the, you know, the final, the final tally was, I think like, you know, 70, 70 or so people in this, in this venue, um, during karaoke because karaoke was, is, you know, one of the banned activities in the state. So we did some karaoke. Uh, one of, uh, one of my, one of our friends wrote, uh, he called them COVID carols, um, like, uh, protest songs to the tune of like, you know, Christmas carols. So there was a sing along of that. And then there was like, uh, electronic dance music for a few hours along with, a, uh, along with a cake at the very end. It's like F U 2020 on there. Uh, so this was like the most fun that I've had, you know, Oh, and people had, there was fireworks. So as soon as like midnight, it, some people went outside and like, we're setting off aerials, uh, right there from the parking lot of the venue. So the most fun that I've had on a new year's since leaving, uh, you know, the, the state of Hawaii there. And the, the fact, the fact that it was like civilly disobedient celebration, like this was an illegal party. I was like, well, I gotta be there for that. There's how can I miss that? You know? So it added, it added like the risk, you know, the risk of being raided or whatever, you know, was there, which added to the excitement, which outweighed any cost that we would consider like, Oh, what do, if we get in trouble for this, what are we going to ever going to do? Um, we're like, no, fuck it. We want to party. We're going to party, you know? And so we did. And that was, that was a lot of fun. And they're thinking about doing another one, uh, sometime in the spring, like the, the people that hosted the party, uh, I don't know about the venue, but they were like, we might do this again. You know, if there's still lockdown and quarantine orders in place and the next one, we may advertise it like, you know, come shut us down kind of a thing. Um, so we'll see, you know, 
it's not necessarily my scene, but again, as, as an act of civil disobedience, um, in violation of the law set down by his excellency, the governor, and it's hard to pass up. And you mentioned it, uh, Canon uh, KS, and it didn't happen here. Um, uh, but there was another underground new year's Eve rave party that tried to get shut down, uh, by the cops. And that was a lot bigger. I think the, the counts I saw for that was like 2000 people or something like that in France where they had a, a big old rave. I might still have the headline for that. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, there you go. Here's, here's the headline. We're not going to read the article. Uh, patrol car torched and three officers injured doing chaotic 2000 strong rave in France that police still can't get under control. Uh, <laughs> and I think today there was a, there was a follow-up headline today that didn't have much new information. Uh, we're basically like, okay, the party's over. Like they got it. They got it squared away. And I was like, I hope the government isn't taking credit for that. Right. I hope they're not saying like, oh, no, we shut down those lousy ravers um, because after partying for two days, it might might have just been time to go home. You know, like <laughs> there's other things to do. You know, people just eventually leave, uh, you know, no matter how good that rave was, you know, at some point you go like, ah, no, there's, there's other things to do. We're in the new year already. <laughs> Similar to the governor's uh, governor's house protest that they've been doing here in the state of New Hampshire. Um, which has now been declared illegal uh, through some chicanery as well. Uh, but, you know, the, the first time, the first weekend they were there, there was, you know, tens of people. I don't know. I don't know if it got into the hundreds. Um, and then, you know, by the by last week or whatever, when they right before they made it illegal, there was like maybe a dozen. So, you know, it it, it just turned tends to peter off over time. I don't it's difficult to to give the state credit for that, right? Like, oh no, what the state was doing is why, you know, dozens of people didn't show up again, or it's because of the state what was doing why they finally put an end to this 2000 strong array. I'm like, yeah, no, just people's interests change and, you know, you get distracted by real life and go do other things. And so they're, you know, they did a candlelight vigil for the governor, you know, in, in lieu of a protest. And I think there's one scheduled for tomorrow, the, this Sunday, the third, depending on when you're listening to this, um, scheduled for tomorrow where they're going to go out to the, like, oh, where are they going? I forget. Like the attorney general's house or the state capitol building of the town or the you know city hall or whatever in that little area um, to protest the, the ridiculous you're not allowed to protest mandate. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> I pro- I'm probably not going to go, but I'm definitely interested in to see what comes up. Well, because here's what happened. I, I know you guys aren't familiar with this one because it's like it's a very, very local story. Um, the governor issued the lockdown orders and there's a governor uh, where in in New Hampshire, New Hampshire. OK, he gave the lockdown orders and there was a you know, there's a group of people um, that went like, fuck that, you know, like that, you know, we, we will not comply. And so they organized a protest outside of the governor's house, like his his home where he's got neighbors and family and whatever. And so there were, you know, I don't know if they were, I don't think there was picketing, but there was, you know, there was definitely a protest. I'm sure people were armed. Um, and you know, they had the bullhorns, they're shouting at the governor, like, let us go kind of thing. Like, please give us our freedom back. Um, and they did that for a couple of weeks on end. And then the three person city council or whatever town council, uh, passed an ordinance for the town for the, for that town specifically. You know, small as that town is, 
that basically said like, you know, uh, picketing and protesting outside of a resident's home is now illegal in the, in the town limits of, you know, wherever that town is. Um, but it had nothing to do with the governor, right? Like, you know, sure. His brother or sister, whatever was sibling was on the town council and helped him with this, but he had no, he had nothing to do with this, you know, law passing has totally, totally washed his hands clean of that. Um, so yeah. And, and one of the, one gentleman was arrested. I forget what the charge was. And I was talking with a friend on our drive back from this, you know, awesome rave party, New Year's Eve rave party that we were at. And he was telling me that, you know, the guy got arrested and they said that he, you know, he had like over two dozen rounds of ammunition on him, you know, I was like, that doesn't like, that's still doesn't seem like a lot, you know, like, you know, I was, I I was in, we were in the car. I'm like, I got more than that on me right now. You know, like (laughs) to, if I left the house with anything less than, you know, a couple dozen, I'd feel like, like I was unarmed completely. And she was like, well, it wasn't even that it was, you know, he had like, um, uh, a 10 round magazine, one chambered, and then like another 10 round magazine. So it was like, it was less than two dozen, even though the news reports was like over two dozen rounds of ammunition outside the governor's house. I was like, well, they're just, you know, not only are they blowing that way out of proportion there, <laughs> it's like, it's not even, you know, this is New Hampshire. People, people are armed all over the place. Like two dozen rounds is not, is not a lot, nor should it be considered like uncommon, even though that's the way it was portrayed in the news report. So that was another interesting thing. And they, they said that, you know, they got them, they, they claimed that there was a trespass because apparently one of the protesters or organizers or whatever was approached by an officer and he was trying to obtain the officer's information, like name, badge number, and the like, and the officer retreated, right? You know, I, I'm not giving you my name and badge number. And so he followed the officer as yeah. the officer was retreating um, and then like stepped on the grass of the governor's house. <laughs> Trespassed on the. So there's a whole bunch of, like I said, a whole bunch of chicanery and nonsense. Uh, people are like, oh, this is this is the libertarian. This is the, you know, the ANCAP thing of like, what can you do to the little girl who like steps on your grass? Like authorized to shoot to kill kind of a situation because that's your property and you can defend it uh but whatever man so stepped on the grass while trying to attain the officer's information carrying uh a firearm and a spare magazine (laughs) and like that's the news report that you get trespassers at the governor's mansion armed and dangerous so hopefully they'll have some more fun protesting this weekend your your observations caused me to reflect on a um, a conversation I had with a friend yesterday who was at Tiananmen Square. Uh, he was a college uh, teacher uh, who, a professor, decided to go and see what all the students were rallying about. And he got down there, and just as he got down there, um, the uh, army had come in, uh, leveled their weapons, and all just, <coughs> he said, like like machines, just started firing uh, into the crowd, directly into the crowd. And, uh, you know, the students were, uh, uh, at, at any rate, uh, he, he described in some detail what all went on. <clears throat> I'm sure that there would have been a lot of, a completely different circumstance if they had those guns that, that you were talking about, you know, in, uh, in New Hampshire, that if, if people had been armed, 
<clears throat> I think it would have been a lot fewer deaths for sure because both sides would have had to worry about the impact of what they did instead of just one side. Yeah, and that's you know that's that's one of my I guess un uh, uncommon positions on violence uh, when it relates to the state. Like I'm not against it per se. I think it needs to be strategic, uh, but I, I always think it needs to be on the table, right? Like they have to understand that they cannot do the state actors, right? Cannot do what they do with impunity because that they, because they know the citizenry is either unarmed or unable or unwilling to use the tools of violence to defend themselves against those state encroachments, right? It has to be on the table. The minute you take it off the table, you lose because the state is absolutely willing and able to use violence against you and will do so with impunity and with no recourse. You know, there was there, uh, I don't have it as show prep again, but there was another article that it said only one in a thousand or that the police have less than one one thousandth of a, of a chance of, you know, getting found guilty when they kill citizens. Like that was, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's, that's how easily they do it and how, how easily they get away with it. Let me see if I can find the headline here. Cause I sent it to a, another friend of mine as we were talking. Uh, here you go. Here's the, here's the headline. Uh, we don't, we won't we'll get into the article. Cops who kill Americans have less than one in a thousand chance of being convicted of murder. Right. That's it. Mm. So one in a thousand, yeah. one in a thousand. So less than 1% chance that if they kill you, that they're going to, they're going to be convicted. Um, you know, what we see oftentimes in the news is, uh, paid leave of absence, right? No, no, no. You go home, but you're still going to collect a paycheck while we figure this thing out. Right. And they're basically letting time pass so that people will think of it less, you know, and just not, not remember it because yes. then later nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want some follow-ups on that, the, the, the officers that killed Duncan Lemp, that was a big news, uh, no charges being filed. You know, they're, they're, they have no repercussions whatsoever. Um, he was, you know, he was an activist of some kind, but they were sleeping. Um, and they killed him while he was like, you know, laying next to his pregnant girlfriend in the house for whatever they were raiding the house for, um, unnecessary because there was, there was no, he wasn't even trying to defend himself, right? They were in bed asleep and they killed him. No charges, no conviction, no penalty, no nothing. Just got away with that one. Um, and so that, those stories like that, that come across my feed quite frequently, right? Like I know, I know I'm in the minority because everyone's like, well, we got, we got to find a way to do this peacefully. I go, yeah, you're right. Like that, that's, that's the ideal situation. Um, but if you don't put the violence on the table, you will never get the peaceful resolution that you seek because the state actors have no reason to give it to you, right? Cause they, they will just escalate to the violent portion. And if you're not willing to defend or respond, they win. And, and so, you know, these armed protests, right? When, if you're going to go to the governor's house to protest, absolutely go armed, right? Don't shoot first, right? Tactically don't shoot first. Um, but if they do, right, then, then you have, you, you have a, a way to respond. Um, and again, talking to a friend of mine, you know, about this as well, and he goes, you know, he brought up the same thing with the mask, right? It's all about optics, Rich. Like, you, you don't want to be the first to shoot because that's bad optics. And I go, yeah, I get it that you're right. But it's not even 
it's not even bad optics when the cops shoot first, right? Because the, the, the peaceful protests, right? Not all of them turn into riots, but how many, how many articles, how many news articles came out where journalists were hit, right? With, with rubber bullets, right? You know, no, no one's shooting at the cops and yet they're, they're firing, firing less, less than lethal rounds into the crowd, right? Mm. They shot first. They sh- where's where's the shooting back right where's the we're not going to take this type of thing uh because we are prepared to defend ourselves against your violence and it doesn't happen so they they come in with overwhelming force and squash all that resistance uh, except for the rioters right when the rioters are like breaking shit and burning stuff down the police are nowhere to be found right we're like well we're going to monitor the situation from afar right because all of a sudden their life is in danger and all of a sudden it's not worth it. Right. So when they have, when they have the overwhelming force and violence, they're more than happy to use that against peaceful protesters, journalists, whomever happens to be in the way. Uh, but the minute you go like, no, we, we can be, we can be violent as well. Teams to seems to temper that response. And so, like I said, you know, I'm, I know I'm in the minority with that opinion, but it, it, in my opinion, once you take it off the table, you're doomed to fail by going up against their violence with, you know, flowers and roses and peaceful protests and whatnot. Has to be on the table. Mm. Comments, criticism, thoughts? I don't know. In a lot of ways, uh, they've already won. And I always go back to, well, they, they, made, they made gold illegal and people just rolled over. And so they can do a lot of things that... I was astounded uh, at that. What? In a day and age when gold was the currency and everybody understood it, <clears throat> I was shocked to, to learn that there was um, so such complete obedience to the, the executive order. Of course, it was a $10,000 uh, fine and, and 10 years in jail uh, penalty for re- resisting, but there was so little resistance back in those days. I guess... I think when when people panic and fear about things, they they just suddenly shudder and give over the powers to government, yeah. um, without without resistance. And more more recently, that happened with the the Ripple cryptocurrency, which you know I think is a scam anyway. But um, there's some SEC lawsuit going on against Ripple and the cryptocurrency XRP, and so all the exchanges just delisted it off their exchange and. The, the resolution of the case isn't even over and nobody told them to shut down Ripple. They just, just oh, oh, it's, it's, it's unregistered security. They just immediately turn it off. Like that somehow makes them not guilty for selling the unlicensed security for the last, you know, four or five years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I don't, you know, why, why, even, why bow down? Like, you know, even before they make an order. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's really sad. And, you know, I think, you know, if they really wanted to, they could do that to Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, well, in the in the case of over. the gold confiscation or t- buybacks or turn-ins or whatever you want to call that, I'm sure the mindset was something to the effect of, "Well, it's not worth the risk because they're going to find me guilty regardless." So you, mm-hmm. you're out ten grand, you're out however many years in jail, right? Or you just give them the gold, but you keep the dollar value, right? You just sell right. it back. You get dollars, they get all the gold. But if yeah, you don't got, give it back, they then got, they come uh, and take it from you. $20 per ounce of gold at the time. <clears throat> yeah. 
So, but if that's what, if that was the going rate, right, then it's an equal transaction. They get the gold, you get the $20. So well, that's getting equal the, value isn't worth the jail time and fines. That's how the, the whole concept of eminent domain. <clears throat> and when you think about it, eminent domain means uh, in the Latin superior owner, which really everybody has, people almost all have accepted the notion that, well, the government is the ultimate superior owner of everything if they want it. And they just give you what they say is the compensation. I mean, in, in the gold, it, it was very easy to, to demonstrate that $20 for an ounce of gold was the normal <clears throat> compensation. But if you want to take property from somebody um, for the railroad, the Honolulu Railroad, for example, <clears throat> their estimators tell you what your property is worth. And they give you that, not even from their own pockets. They give it from taxpayers' pockets. Right. Yeah. So where's, where's the pushback? Where's the rise up? Where's, you know, where's the protest going like, no, this is not going to happen. And the, the, the answer is even if you protested, right, if you're not going to defend that encroachment with violence and you're just going to raise hell or give it to them or make a media show out of it, uh, eventually that will pass. People will forget the government will win with overwhelming violence and that's the end. Right. Well, is it, it to me perhaps it seems i mean i know people are saying well it's worse than ever but i i don't really think it's worse than ever i think people have always been willing to do this sort of thing in the face of government <clears throat> from time to time and i i think that it's pretty remarkable that there is so much pushback that people are you know resisting uh, a lot of things and they have the internet media to get around the mainstream media um to encourage them a lot more too. So I think that probably we're not worse off. I mean, this phenomena of uh, cowering in, in face of fear and handing over rights to government has always been around throughout the history of human beings. Yeah, and it's um, sad. And it's sad, yes, but I, I don't think that it's any worse than it's ever been in the past and probably uh, less so than at any time because of the avenues of... of um, speaking out uh, and uh, uh, getting your message heard around mainstream sources of information. Yeah, I hear you. And, but then so I it's still an optimism. Go, yeah. I think, I think it what well, may be optimistic, but because the, the, the hope, the desire with the speaking out in the media or in the alternate media seems to be like, you know, if we get enough people to see what's really going on, Right. Then we'll have enough people to resist together. Right. That's that's the goal. It's like I know that my my individual protest or my small group protest isn't large enough uh, to make any wholesale changes to the state's behavior. But if I can get, you know, a lot of people to put eyes on this and realize what's going on and they will protest with me, well, then maybe we have a chance at making some change. Well, I, I think that's yeah. the it's it's bigger than just a a protest so and that's why I, I don't really like protests so much it has to be like an ongoing resistance instead of uh, a protest and and to me it's like well once you get to the point where they did something that um it, you know has crossed the line then at some point you have to say okay well i'm i'm not going to deal with you guys anymore i'm going to you know do my own thing and and you have to and then how do you get enough people to go along with you on that? Like, and, and say, you know, 
you know, your government is invalid to me. It's difficult because everyone's guys... line in the sand is in a different spot. Yeah, and that's, and they're not... that's kind of my point, though. And and so if if there's one thing, like let's say they're going to um, they're going to bail out the banks, that was actually one of the biggest uh, protests against the government at the time. Yeah, was it ninety uh, something percent of people said, "Don't do it." Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, ninety percent of the people that were uh, mailing them, and sure, calling them. But I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of people that just don't give a crap and just sitting at home. But so a huge outcry of of don't do this. Um, you know that should have been that line in the sand. Like, okay, if you do this, then we're not going to you know away any of your your laws at all. Um, so that that's the kind of response that needs to happen. Not just oh well we don't like this and you know, march on the street and then, and then they do it anyway. And then you just go home and act like everything's okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's, there's different approaches to changing the circumstance. One is the protest. And I agree that that can be very frustrating unless it's a broad, broad movement, but I'm wondering if there isn't a problem solution to it rather than the protest, the pushback, if there isn't a way of, of, um, modifying the system i mean I, i'm thinking about how remarkable it was that a guy like ron paul was in the midst uh constantly challenging the you know the, eh. the from the inside he and failed he did <laughs> fail total failure complete failure well i mean total failure i mean I, not total i i, mean, I he, think the he, fact that he had the huge impact on the thinking and the minds of so many people that that was a pretty big accomplishment enormous accomplishment it, it it is but it's not nearly enough is, is my is the problem like yeah. there's like nothing actually changed um yeah well, I think and he gets probably... the, he's got the nickname dr no right because of everyone in there like you know 447 votes yes and then one vote no and it's oh look at that it's the principled ron paul voting but it, the bill still passes right but there's another thing that has you know gotten a lot of people to wake up about the monetary system and that's bitcoin and so a lot of people see that and, and then they then they start learning about what money is and it's great um but even that you know like i said the, the same thing they did to gold they could do to bitcoin and i don't think it would be any different yeah you know exchanges are just going to roll over uh people are just going to go oh well i guess uh, i guess i lost and you know back to fiat days and uh, betting on the uh, casino stock market and <laughs> well okay so even with bitcoin there has to be that i'm gonna say that mentality of resistance right because if w without that mentality what you end up having and you know I don't, i'm not going to name names but there are some people out there right who go like well we've got the bitcoin now how do i file that on my taxes <laughs> or i go you don't you fucking don't that's not that's not what it's there for but they, but they passed a law that says you have to declare it on your taxes. And I'm, I am a law-abiding citizen, and even though I'm making money off of this Bitcoin thing, right? I want to do it the right way and inform the state about it, right? And there, it's that mentality where yeah, it's, I'm not. I'm not so worried about the people that that you know play the game by their rules. I'm, I'm saying that the people that don't play by the rules, well. I can't even say that it's because it's uh, I'm, I'm more talking about the commercial aspect of it. Like there's, 
like if they if they make it illegal then you basically won't be able to to do it out in the open like you won't be able to have a, a website that accepts bitcoin and stay open very long because somebody will rat you out government will come looking for you and be like oh you're you're doing bitcoin transactions on your website yeah um so you know and and of course if you take the line in the sand approach and say, well, I'm just going to keep offering products on my website for Bitcoin until they come after you, and then they come after you, and then uh, you, know, you better have a way to stop them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's I, 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 It sounds like you're agreeing with me a little bit. I don't want to be too presumptuous. Yeah. But if you draw your line in the sand, like that's it. That's the line. They either, yeah. they either cross it or you move it, and if they cross it, you have to be prepared to defend it. And the only way to defend against their overwhelming violence is also with violence. Hopefully by that time you had enough people going like, we are also going to like the Bundy ranch thing, right? We are also going to stand up for this guy. Yeah. And, right? and, so, and so I think the idea that's been forming in my mind since we've been talking is a community. And so hundred percent, let's, let's say if, if you get New Hampshire, on board, including the government, to say, you know, we're gonna support Bitcoin transactions no matter what the U.S. government says. Of course, they won't. But that's that's my problem. Like, let's say you have a little town in New Hampshire that says, you know, uh, Bitcoin transactions are are totally legal no matter what. And if anybody, you know, from outside this town comes in and tries to arrest somebody for doing Bitcoin transaction, we'll shoot them. You know, that would be great. You know, not likely. And even if that happened, they'd probably still get squashed. But but at least there would be uh, some real resistance. You know, I think I think that's kind of kind of it to me. Like um, that would be any, that would be any, interesting. Any, let me let me interject real quick. I'll let you continue. Um, that will be interesting because town currencies are not currently illegal. Like there's there's a whole Wikipedia article devoted to like local currencies where you know it might the, the the legality might be that you have to exchange it with you know federal reserve notes to acquire it um but then within the town you know if, if you had your like bitcoin town you can have your own local currency like there's not a problem with that so if you exchange you know if you made your local currency bitcoin or whatever it is exchangeable for bitcoin um they may have to change some you know laws way higher up that prevent local currencies from being established as well continue yeah yeah maybe so anyway that's that's what i would like to see is because it, it's really sad but what it all comes down to is that 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 nasty word authority and if you don't have the ultimate authority in that area then you don't have any at all you're totally subject to the whims of the federal government and the state government and the city government and everything else um but if you have uh, the people with the guns in that area, dominating that area, <laughs> you know, like a roving gang of bandits. Not, not like a roaming game, oh. gang, gang of bandits, but you know the the you know the okay. The, let's change the word police to the protectors of private property. Sure, if private have, security. If you have the protectors of private uh, private uh, property in that area, declaring that okay whatever action it is is totally legal let's say it's uh, cocaine like well they did it in portugal not portugal yeah portugal and uh, oregon so oregon recently uh, yeah decriminalized so, everything so oregon you know the the protectors of private property there say it's legal here and so you're not going to get 
you know, presumably uh, arrested for doing cocaine there. Okay, great. So anyway, that's kind of what you need for, you know, for an actual resistance to even yeah have a chance is in in whatever land. Like even even in my house, if I say, okay, cocaine is is totally fine here in my house. Um, you know, I'm sure there'd be lots of people that would try it <laughs> in my house, but yeah, um, you know, there's there's always that threat from the outside that okay, well, eventually they'll come here and stop me. Um, and same same for Oregon. Eventually, somebody will you know tell them they can't do that. Uh, but at least there's a starting point. At yeah. least there's at least there's a uh, you know a a line drawn that other other people can see publicly. Um, and, yeah, and, that and my my it. apprehension with that is early on in marijuana decriminalization when California legalized it, uh, you had like the California legal dispensaries and marijuana shops that the DEA would raid on the yeah. federal level, right? Because yeah. legal in California, illegal on the federal level, DEA, we're going in. Mm-hmm. And so you have like the local protector of private property, the highest law of the local land, the sheriff's office, with full authority uh, to prevent the DEA from going in and with full authority to protect the private property owner, the marijuana dispensary, uh, not doing their job and rather assisting the DEA carry out uh, their illegal raid on private property in California lands. So I I don't know if I would trust the current local authority uh, to defend my property or my, my, my local rights right. against the feds. And, it, and I also don't think California is the best place because they have no concept of private property anyway. They're super high taxes and regulation on everything. So sure. Uh, you know, it, w- it would work much better in a place like New Hampshire or maybe Texas or. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. Which, again, uh, which is why we, you know, we were able to pull off that underground rave, right? Cause there was a private property owner that said, you can use my place for this mm-hmm. illegal gathering of, you know, what we, I think we're, I think the max was we, like a hundred people were on the guest list and a hundred people, hundreds of people were invited. Um, but we got like 70 people in the room. So not bad. You know, not as good as that 2001 in France, but yeah, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely more of a culture of pushback, uh, here, at least amongst the community members that I engage with. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's, you know, that, okay. that little, uh, intentional but, community, it definitely is a plus. But I guess this is kind of my idea though. Let's say you're in California you're going to set up a dispensary, um, before you sink a whole lot of money into it, you should make a deal with the the police and say, you know, you're going to defend me, right? If the DEA comes, and and that's that's the level that you need to yeah. ensure that you're going to get any safety. You don't you don't go, oh well, it's legal. I'll just assume that the cops are on my side. Like, well, get no, it in either. writing because that's usually how it works. That's or, the social contract right there. Or you pay them to. You know, hire the local cops, uh, you know, on their days off or whatever, to come defend your shit. Okay. And then the local cops would be like, "Oh no, why? You know, you can't raid this. This, you know, part of my salary. You know, this is my my bread and butter. You can't do that." So they would be less likely to uh, let the DEA do that if they were, you know, making money off of you. So, yeah, you would hope, and you know, that that uh, that in and of itself takes a great deal of effort 
to co- convince the police to do their actual job and defend private property from actual well, encroachments because they're usually the I ones mean, doing it. My my point is, you're going to have to pay them, even though you're already paying them through taxes. But yeah, um, but there there has to be an agreement. Otherwise, you have nothing. You know? Yeah. No, I get it. I just I don't consider me skeptical that they would honor that agreement even if money changed hands <laughs> maybe right you'd have a better shot yeah you'd have a better case to be made either you know publicly or in sort of arbitration or, or court scenario where you go like hey we paid extra for this and we did not get the service so you get to keep the taxes but we want that you know that bonus protection money back yeah. uh if you can find a way to finagle it from them yeah but it would be more interesting Let's say because it, there would be at least some type of communication happening. Uh, yeah, I mean the authorities and and you know the people trying to run their own private business, but um, yeah. And so in that way, the okay, the cops would have an incentive to contact the DEA and say, hey, like we're we're defending this uh, dispensary, like don't raid it because we have you know officers in blue, whatever, uh, you know, standing there. So you know. And they have guns, so don't come in there with guns because, you know. <laughs> ah, but then the DEA might need a little bit of kickback to not do their work either. Right. And at that point, I think it becomes more public, though. And okay. so you, if you had the, the local cops talking with the DEA, then if the DEA, DEA wanted to go in, they'd have to tell the cops, okay, we're coming on this day, uh, you know, stand down. And then the, then the, then the people... Uh, you know, the, the cops could say, oh, tell tell the owners they're coming today. Uh, yeah. Take all your shit out uh, so they can do their raid and then leave again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I I would love to see it. Like, I'm I'm a big fan. Like, I think about s- similar things from all angles. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, you know, the, the cops, uh, every time they try to pass like some sort of gun ban or whatever, it's like, well, the, the protected class still gets to keep it. So. If you want to be in that, you know, protected class, like what do you have to do? Um, and so, you know, there, there's certain there's certain tools of defense that only are allowed to like law are only allowed to be sold to like law enforcement and, and private security in some form or fashion. Like you have to be in that field. Like, well, what does it take to start like a private security firm here? You know, if I just I'll just create one, then I'll buy all the supplies. You know, kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, part of, part of me part of me likes to. Uh, walk that line between uh, legitimacy, like doing things the legitimate way and not. And I like being mostly on the protest side of like, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, But I can definitely see the value of like having certain people operate, you know, as a legitimate front to funnel all that other fun stuff through. Mm -hmm. KS? I'm all in accord. All right. Final thoughts? Anybody? Nope. All right, that'll do it for us then. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com. On Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.